It's the Bob McCown Podcast, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. McCown here, Shannon with me. You like uh, Monty Python? Uh, I'm not a big Python fan. I tell you the truth. I like it when I when I see it, but I oh. I mean I don't seek it out. Why do you ask? Well, because one of their one of their favorite skits was, and now for something completely different. Yeah, well, that's today. So today, and now for something completely different. A couple of goaltenders, or I should say former goaltenders. I bet they probably still play goal. Who um, have taken up comedy in their later years. Scott Darling's later years are um, not that late. No. But uh, he was a goaltender fairly recently, and just the last few months has started a career as a stand-up comic in around Chicago and I guess uh, around other places. Uh, he will join us. And Jim Ralph, who's the, uh, uh, I guess most people in Southern Ontario know him as the radio color commentator of the Maple Leafs, has been for years. And he is a funny guy. Well, uh, and he's earned a lot of money being funny. Yes, he has. He's more of a dinner speaker than a comic. He doesn't. No, he's, a he's a comedian. He's a comedian per se, but he's a funny guy. Anyway, yeah. the two of them will join us. We'll talk about, well, being a goaltender and then being a com a comic, and uh, that will happen after these messages. Hi, this is Bob McCowan for BetRivers.com. Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the BetRivers Sports and Casino app today. Play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime plus get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options and get ready to feel like a vip because you'll earn both loyalty level points and bonus store points on every real money wager you make you must be 19 plus available in ontario only please play responsibly if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you contact connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 or speak to an advisor free of charge. BetRivers.com. McCowan and uh, Shannon back with you. It is said by many in and around hockey, mostly forwards and defensemen, I think, that there's nothing weirder in the sport than goaltenders. And uh, as a former... What position target, did you play, Bob? I was a goaltender. I figured so. So maybe um, maybe there's some truth in that statement. But we have a couple of former goaltenders with us who have something in common beyond being former targets, and that is they are both uh, heavily into comedy and have sort of made sort of made comedy their uh, their life since their retirement. Scott Darling is with us, and Jim Ralph as well. Mr. Darling is, uh, among other things, a, a studio analyst with the Hawks. And Jim Ralph, of course, the longtime radio color guy of the uh, of the Maple Leafs. Ralphie, to you, like, did you always think of yourself as a funny guy? No. No, hmm. no absolutely not. And even how, uh, and, and I will say this right off the bat, and, and I was lucky enough to meet Scott um, a couple of weeks ago up in Hamilton. And um, I, I consider it public speaking. I, uh, there's a big difference to me 
between public speaking and comedy. And one of the, the, the big reason is the expectations. <laughs> you know, if you, it's like putting a defenseman in net. You're going, okay, you know what? If he stops you at one, you're happy. But that's really not the expectation. But I've seen you in, in public speaking. And I mean, look, at it's comedy that is the, uh, is the attraction, right? You admit that. Yeah, but, but I think it's more a bonus. If you go to something and somebody gets up and, and you find them mildly amusing, I, I think that's a bonus. Whereas you go to a comedy club and you sit down with your drink, the I expectation is it's, it's make me laugh. I mean, that's your job. So I, I sort of take the side door coming into the comedy stuff, I think. Scott, you've gone the other direction. You, you do stand-up comedy, right? Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to be Jim up in Hamilton, like you said. And uh, yeah, I'm new. I'm green. Uh, I've been doing it for about six months. Um, uh, I've been touring with the guy, Ian Bag, Canadian guy. Um, it's been a lot of fun. I, I, I find a, it's very fulfilling. I enjoy it. Okay. Now, but why, why I got it. I mean, why, why? Cause I'm a goalie. I'm a moron. Like <laughs> I, you know, I'm a crazy person and, uh, I, I've always loved comedy and I was, watching a comedy show at the Laugh Factory in Chicago like six months ago. And a comedian went on and he had a very dark sense of humor. I found him like hilarious. And when I was walking out through the lobby, he recognized me from playing for the Blackhawks. And we we are now great friends. We just did shows in Milwaukee. But he challenged me to, he's like, just try it one time. If you don't like it, I'll never ask you to do it again. So I went, opened for him, bombed. But I love the feeling, the, the nervous, anxious excitement reminded me of being a goalie in the NHL. And so I, I really enjoyed it, and I've, I've been loving it ever since. They say the goaltenders are different. And I, as I said off the top, it's usually forwards and defensemen who say that. But is there, do you think that's true? You guys have both met plenty of goaltenders. Are goaltenders weird? Ralphie? Um, I think it's gotten to the point. I think where it's changed is goaltenders are now from when I played. Now they're considered athletes. <laughs> I think that's, that's got, that's put them more into the mainstream of uh, professional athletes where before it was, and I know Scott has said this as well, but Glenn Hall said that he used to throw up before every game. Um, uh, you know, it used to be because you didn't wear a mask. You had that certain danger plus the embarrassment of letting in a bad goal. So I think the, um, the reasons goaltenders were different before is a little different than now. Um, but, but I mean, still you're the, uh, you're the last line of defense and, um, you know, unless you're perfect, you're going to end up in the highlight reel every night. Uh, yeah, I could, I could say that I, I think goalies are still a little, uh, quirky, you know? Um, I consider myself for a unique human being, not for better, for worse, just like in general, I'm kind of an oddball. So I, I'll, I'll, uh, live up to that expectation of goalies being weird. Ralphie so, mentioned Glenn Hall throwing up all the time. That's been a situation with you, darling, right? Every single game that I played, I threw up after warmups. Yeah. Yeah. I, I threw up after every game. <laughs> you threw up after? <laughs> <laughs> oh, usually, yeah. well, whenever I get pulled, yeah. <laughs> but, but I will, but I will tell you why I, I don't like the term comedian for what I do. And it started with uh, I had agreed to another in '89. I agreed to another contract with Toronto to come back. But the general manager at that time, who I won't name because I still work with him and, and broadcast even in Toronto, resigned yeah. and went to the New York Rangers. 
And then I got an unemployment form in the mail from the Leafs, and I was essentially done. Uh, to back it up a little bit, I emceed a couple of weddings, uh, which I didn't enjoy doing. One was for Darren Pang in Ottawa years, uh, speaking of other goalies. And another one was for Marty Dahlman, who married Pat Marsden's daughter, uh, Ruth right. Mary. So there, I mean, at that wedding was Paul Beeston and Bill Waters and Bill Stevenson and a lot of broadcast people. But from there, I got asked, um, I, I got a call from the Leafs in early September of 89. Uh, from Bob Stellick, who was the PR director with the Leafs. And I thought, they want me back. I didn't know why the PR <laughs> guy was calling to tell me. Uh, but he called and he said, look, he said, I, I know you've done some stuff. He said, how would you feel about being the guest speaker at the Leaf Luncheon this year? And right away, I was so angry, you know, because my, my hockey career was done. And uh, But Rick Hodge, who was um, a longtime radio guy in Toronto, and was very good to me. He said, do it. He said, you don't have anything going on. He said, you don't have a degree. You don't have a job. He said, do it. There'll be a lot of media people there. Uh, so I know at our year opening luncheons in, in the American League, there'd be like 70 people at a Kelsey's restaurant. Uh, and that was our luncheon. You know, uh, the, the mayor spoke and somebody else spoke and that was it. So uh, I've got to be at the Royal York Hotel for noon uh, because I hated driving into the city. I got there about uh, quarter after 10 because I was a little <laughs> bit early. And I walked in and I figured there's got to be two or 300 people at the Leaf Luncheon. And I walked into the Canadian room at the Royal York Hotel, and it was set up for 1,200 people. Wow. And I looked around, and I thought, like, what have I done? Like, what? Like, seriously, what have I done? And Joe Bowen, who I work with now and have for, for a number of years, was the MC. He was just going to lead me into some impersonations. I wasn't even going to get up on my own. And But I thought, you know what? I know Daryl Sittler was going to be there, and I think uh, George Armstrong. Uh, Johnny Bauer was going to be there. I figured they were all speaking. So I thought if I bomb, nobody's going to want to listen to me anyway. They're going to want to listen to the, like the legitimate stars. And I picked up a program off one of the tables. Nobody was there yet. And right in the middle of the program, it said guest speaker, Jim Ralph comedian. I'm out of <laughs> hockey really for three months. I finally make it to an NHL luncheon and I'm a comedian and never said I played, never said anything. <laughs> so now we go into this room off to the side and uh, the bartender in this room, whom I'd gotten to know pretty well uh, over the hour and a half <laughs> I spent there, as we were getting ready to go out, he said to me, he said, are you the guest speaker this afternoon? And I said, yeah. He said, really look forward to hearing you. He said, John Candy was great last year. Oh, <laughs> nice. And, nice and I, remember, I remember sitting beside uh, Doug Carpenter, uh, was the coach of the Leafs at the time, and saying, I will never ever doing it. And, and part of me said, if I just left, what are they going to do? Cut me again? You know, <laughs> but I ended up doing it. Uh, Don Cherry was there and, and grapes um, because I did the impersonation of him. Grapes had me from there, had me on his uh, grapevine show uh, that he taped out of his bar in Hamilton at the time. And he said, you want to get a guy at a dinner? He's the absolute best. And, and I was just starting that part of my career. And then I started getting calls from Vancouver to Newfoundland. And I, I owe it to that one moment. But what still stands out is Jim Ralph, comedian, and how much I hated the pressure <laughs> of that, having never really done it before. So that's that's where I um, I was lucky to get into it. It wasn't uh, it wasn't by any master plan uh, or love that, that like Scott had for comedy. And uh, and I owe a lot of people from Rick Hodge to uh, to Don Cherry for um taking me on that route that is has been a, a pretty nice sideline for me yeah so scott it's, tell me um you you said you felt the adrenaline rush of 
that you, uh, of being a goalie when you're a comedian. Well, preparation's different. How would you prepare differently for being a goalie versus being a stand-up comedian? No, it's honestly, it's kind of the same. I kind of align the two. People ask me, like, you know, how do you have the the guts to get up on stage? And I compare it to being a goalie. Like, you're you're kind of on your own, like on an island to game within the game. And so I was like, I've been doing this for, you know, 30 years. I've been doing this since I was three years old. It's like, if you play good, you win. Play bad, you lose. If you tell your jokes right, you win. Tell your jokes bad, you lose. And so I, I watch game film, like on my shows, I record on my shows, I watch game film to see what like hits and what doesn't and see like to make sure I'm like, and I kind of reframe my jokes show by show, like the same premise, but you know, try and fine tune them. So I treat it a lot like how I treated getting to the NHL and I'm a hustler. Like I go out every night, like last, I just did five shows in Milwaukee this weekend, what 450 people in the room. And I did a show last night with six people in the room <laughs> just to like stay on the grind. You know, if, if I'm not broadcasting for the Hawks, I'm going out and doing comedy and, and practicing and trying to get better. But I was like, I just had a sold out standing room only show at the Milwaukee improv last night. It was one of the best comedians in the world. And I'm back in Chicago. Like, there's, Three tables with two people each of them. <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm like, I don't want to get like cocky, you know. It's like I'm, I'm I'm better than this, but no, I'm a grinder, so I just go out every night and just like try and get better. I would presume this the crowd of six is much more difficult than the crowd of four fifty. Oh my god, it's so it's so much worse. Like, because especially because like my humor is like very dark, so if like. Uh, if if the people aren't into that, it's like you're toast, <laughs> you know. Um, but when you have the huge crowds, like you know, there's more opportunity for people, and they're paying to laugh. Like they're, you know, they're there, so there's more opportunity, and you have more time to do like crowd work and like mess with people and stuff. So I, I love, obviously, the bigger the crowd, the better. Tiny crowds are are very difficult. Might as well be doing it for my two dogs. So, yeah, so uh, when you say you you uh, uh, you involve you like hecklers, then yeah, we had a good one. Uh, I I love it. Like I said, I'm I'm like uh, I'm pretty sharp with like my response. We had a we had a heckler who ended up getting thrown out of our show in Milwaukee. This girl, um, she was just like every every joke she just had to comment on, and like she came at me, and I put her in a body bag. And then the next comic put her in a body bag, next comic, next comic. And then they threw her out. And then we found out she was at her office work party. Like how <laughs> embarrassing. There's 40, 40 people from this dental office. That was her office work party. And she just got drunk and made a fool out of herself. And we all just roasted her the whole time. And she got booted. Do you guys write your own stuff? Do you have, or do you have, have you ever had anybody give you material? Uh, I write my own stuff. I, 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 my, my jokes, it's like premise, like all on real stories from my life. Like I've had kind of a wild ride in my 33 years. So I talk about, you know, my mom had cancer twice. My dad drowned. I'm divorced. Like a narcoleptic girl fell asleep on my face one time, you know? So I make jokes about like real stories from my life. <laughs> Ralphie, I don't think you can say narcoleptic, can you? Without you can being say canceled. 
I'm just man. I'm just making a list because yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, for the uh, for the impressions um, for the different bets, I've I've written those over the years. The odd time uh, I remember years ago, and and I've I've used this as as part of the routine over the years. Uh, years ago, watching David Letterman, and he was talking about the New York Mets, um, and he said that the Mets are, are like Michael Jackson. Uh, they all wear gloves for no apparent reason. So I've used that on myself uh, at stand-up things. And that was something that I'd remembered from 20 years previous. So uh, there's the odd thing that uh, that you take. And and sometimes it's a premise, like Scott was saying, and you can sort of mold it into your side. But the, um, you know, for a lot of the, it's, it's one thing once you try to do an impersonation of somebody, even if it's another broadcaster, you still have to come up with a, a premise and, and try to write for it and, and make it somewhat humorous while you're doing it. How, well, how yeah, much like- time do you spend, Scott? How much time do you spend? Uh, you, you say you did five shows in Milwaukee this week and you're not, you're spending five days writing. Uh, I, I mean, I write all anything and everything like that. Uh, uh, when it comes to my mind, I always have my notebook on me and just write it down, you know, but it was fun because I actually played for the Milwaukee Admirals. Um, that was my stepping stone to the NHL. And so I like when I go to a city to like make some stuff like about Milwaukee. So like, and I'm from Chicago, I live in Chicago and like, I hate the Packers. I'm a Bears fan. And so like, I'm an antagonist, right? So I'll literally say F the Packers. Like, and you know, what is it with you guys in the cheese? Like get over it. Like, you know, Everyone has cheese. I played in Europe. They have cheese. We have cheese in Chicago. It's like, you know, and just like kind of like make it about the city. Because I, you know, and then I, I did five shows in uh, Raleigh. I used to play for the Hurricanes. And oh boy, did I lean into Raleigh about like, <laughs> like, I, I won't swear on here, but I was like, you know, it's the worst city like ever. Like, I hate, I hate Raleigh, <laughs> you know, like, and kind of like it engages the crowd even if it's like in a like grumpy way, but it gets them listening. So like, I'm not afraid to like go at the people. I had fun, like the Packers thing all weekend, like everyone was so pissed at me, but they listened and laughed afterwards. So actually I, 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 memory serves me. You actually tried to do a little bit of that when you were on NBC sports, Chicago uh, about St. Louis and somebody bit back at you. Right. Oh yeah. Kelly Chase is a little little baby. Um, you can clip that and say it yourself. I don't give a sh- Sorry. I don't know if we can swear no, in here. Yeah, you no, can. You can't. Sure yeah, you can. so I don't give a shit. He's a little fucking baby. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> And I I said it, but you know how it is. Like, you're like, the the Hawks kind of like are like deflated, you know, with the, the fan base here. And they're like, that's why they hired me. They're like, we need you to like tell stories and like, you know, they were, we want hot takes. And so I'm just like, say, I don't actually hate St. Louis. I do think it's a shitty city, but like, I don't hate St. Louis. I don't hate college. He's not even from there. He's from like Saskatchewan, I think. And so yes, it's like, dude, it's like, dude, get over it. Like I said it uh, and it got, it was the most viral thing that's happened from like the Blackhawks, like Twitter ever. And I'm like, all these people, I'm getting murdered. Like, I don't care. I have the thickest skin in the world. Like, I don't, I don't give a shit. Like, um, you can say whatever you want to me. Like, I don't, I don't care. But he, he like called my like agent 
to like get to me about it. And I'm like, dude, like get over it. Like, weren't you like a tough guy? Like grow up. <laughs> uh, I've seen Ralphie in uh, perform. Uh, it's been a while, but most of your stuff was hockey related. Is it still? Yeah. Or divorce related. Yeah. Uh, I find uh, more, more guys can relate to being divorced than they can uh, spending a lifetime in the minors. Well, so, that's me. So, hey, amen. I, amen. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. Listen, there's what of the four of us, at least one of us is still married, right? <laughs> is that you? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's me. That's me, Scott. Congrats. Yeah, that's... congrats. You seem yeah. like you seem like the type that is just so sweet. I, uh, I can imagine you'd be the one that's who's still there. And by the way, that's exactly what everybody thinks of me, Scott. Just for the record. No, it is. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm it getting is. Santa. I'm getting Santa vibes. You know. <laughs> I'd I'd sit on your lap, not in a weird way. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> how many events will you do in a year, Ralphie? Now, uh, well, they're just starting to come back. Uh, I've lost everything. Obviously, uh, a lot during COVID. There were, yeah, um, there were some regular events like Bobby Orr's tournament up in Perry Sound, or uh, Billy McCreary, the referee, had one in Collingwood. Those those haven't come back. Um, so there's, um, you know, it's it's almost like trying to start over again. We're kind of uh, funny in Niagara Falls. Oh. Well, yeah, that was, uh, I mean, that was fun. That was uh, uh, Bobby Orr and Gilmore, but it was, um, that really wasn't, that was one of those where you keep asking somebody like, what, like, what do I do? Like, are there winners? Are there, you know, uh, but Robin Yates and Nobis did a great job putting it on, but it was, uh, but, but you heard the, um, the revised on cherry one. I used to do grapes as the prime minister of Canada. Uh, visiting the Russians, mm. so that's off the table now. You can't <laughs> what's going on in the world. So instead, uh, you know, I had to, to to rewrite it to have them be a little more politically correct. So it's uh, it was fun, but they're uh, yeah, they're slowly coming back. And um, well, at your peak, uh, how many would you do in a year? Oh God, um, I would say probably twenty five to thirty, and then turn down at least that much during the season because I've never. I've, yeah, I've never, obviously, yeah, I've, I've never missed a game to, uh, to do a speaking a gig, although the speaking gigs pay a little better than one hockey game fee. Yeah, I would imagine they do. Uh, and how often do you perform, Scott? Um, I do in like, you know, like Jim saying, like the, as a broadcast, I'm doing like 46 games this year. But I, I told them before I, you know, sign my contract that, uh, if I got a good comedy gig like that, Trump's like, even oh, though really? broadcast, even though broadcasting pays way better than comedy, <laughs> but uh, um, I, I enjoy it. Um, so I had to skip out on a few games so far. But if if I'm not, if the Hawks aren't playing, I'm I'm probably doing a show. Like I'm pretty much out every night, either broadcasting or doing comedy. Who do you guys look up to, admire, um, respect as comedians? Uh, I personally, I love Tom Segura, um, and Chris DiStefano, um, Andrew Santino. Those are probably my like favorite comics and kind of like, I relate the way that I tell my comedy. That's kind of, I'm not as good as them, but that's kind of who I, you know, admire comedy wise. Ralphie. Uh, I think what happened once when I, when I first started doing them, 
and and I did love the comedian and and his acting as well. I remember I stuttered through a punchline once or stammered through it, and I got a bigger laugh than when I said it straight. So I st- uh, I started uh, doing it, <laughs> and then but I remember thinking this is somebody does this, and it was Bob Newhart. So I loved a lot of Bob Newhart stuff. Um, I actually, my, my son does stand up and that's how I met. I was going to say, you yeah, gotta do, and, you gotta say Jesse. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I, and I admire him and, um, what I admire, what, what my son does is he's like, Scott, he's a real student of comedy. And, uh, when we were out in LA in, in 2019, Ian Bag got him stage time at the, the, um, the laugh factory in Los Angeles. And he knew everyone. I didn't know anybody, any of the comics that got up. He knew them from being on the TV show ballers or having a Netflix special. And, um, and I, so for me, it was Bob Newhart and also Bill Burr is, uh, is one of my favorite comedians as well. Yeah, kind yeah. of, kind of he's, an angry, uh, Boston delivery, he's, he's but, good. It's, uh, he's good. but, but I've really, um, you know, through my son more than anything, and, and through Ian, realized what kind of process, and and it's not an easy way to try to break in and and move up. You know, from the writing to, as Scott said, there's four people at a show, or there's 300 people at a show. You you can't control certain things. So, um, I, I admire the process as much as I uh, admire, I believe, the you know the comedians that have gone on to make it. Have you? I, I'm sure you've done this. Do you have material that works one night and bombs the next? Have both of you had that experience? Oh yeah. There's a, there's this like uh, nuance that I'm still learning. They say like read the room, like to learn to read the room. Yeah. And I'm still learning that. And so when I'm on the big shows, I go first, so I don't get a chance to like. I like to go second uh for my other shows so that i can see how the first comic does and i watch and i see how the crowd reacts to stuff like right even in even in this these shows this weekend like the one thing that the the ian bags really he's amazing he's like it's one of the most impressive things i've ever seen like this guy is sharp as a tack and he can like he knows he'll be like you know you people suck and like you know i like you people so we'll go to this side of the stage and like so he knows how to read the room. So I'm still learning how to do that because it was kind of like some conservative crowds. And like, I tell like bad jokes, like dark, dark shit. And so does he, but it's a, it's a skill that I, I'm still learning how to figure out. Ralphie, what about you? Have you had, have you done? Oh yeah. And, and I mean, sometimes you'll know ahead of time. Uh, it was Bob. We've been at golf tournaments together. And, you know, there's a time to, I remember when they first started doing them, uh, I emceed a golf tournament, or I was a guest speaker at a golf tournament, and they said, okay, this is what we're going to do. Um, we're going to have the cocktail party, then we're going to have dinner, uh, then we're going to do the auction, uh, then we're going to do the prizes, and then you. And by then, you're dead. You know, the yeah. crowd, the, nobody's listening. The crowd's not coming back. So there, um, the, there are some where you know ahead of time that it's going to be, uh, you know what, let's get pucks deep when the one-on-one battles uh get pucks through just try to keep it as uh, get up and get off because you know it's going to be a tough one i mean yeah i guess the only difference is i used to do that when i played where i'd say you know what it was it was a bad crowd <laughs> four check back check, yeah. pay check. <laughs> so you tell a joke a story whatever and it, it it works one night and doesn't work the next night so how do you know whether that's good material or not i, well, I think me- you guys go ahead 
Oh, no, I was going to say for me is because I got nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think you got to stick to your guns. Like, um, you know, it's and I usually double down. Like if my joke doesn't like hit the audience or they're offended by it, I double down on it. And I'm like, you know, you guys are at a comedy show, right? Like, don't be like so sensitive. Like I open up the thing being like, is anyone sensitive? No. Okay, good. Cause you're going to fucking hear it tonight. Like that's how I like <laughs> open up these shows. So um, I, I, I actually like when people get offended. And, and like I said, I, I, I'm an antagonist on stage. Like I'm the nicest person ever, like in real life, but on stage, I'm kind of an asshole. <laughs> So, so Scott, uh, you like groans as much as you like laughs? Yeah, I like I like the gas than laugh. Like I like yeah. the oh, I can't believe you said that, and then laugh, and then and I and I've met, I've said before in some sets, like I'm like you're allowed to laugh at these jokes. Like I'm the one telling them. It's my own personal like stories. Like my dad did drown. You know, like. My mom did have cancer twice. It's like you're allowed to laugh at these jokes. Like and I'm like, I told this I told this joke in front of my mom and she laughed harder than anyone in the room. Like you know, stuff like that. So people are like they're nervous about laughing at how like dark the jokes are. But I'm like, you're at a comedy show. So that's what we're here to do. Make people laugh. So what's the one thing if there's one thing from that first time you walked out and met that comedian in the lobby? to today what's the one thing you've learned about being in the comedy business um i've learned um comedians are a little whiny bitches um <laughs> <laughs> no nah, i'm just joking um but no i i'm just like i just from my first show to now i've just seen a huge like progression um from i was like so timid and like you know, nervous before and now I just can go up and grip it and rip it. And my preparation has gotten better. You know, I practice, like I said, if I'm not broadcasting, I'm going to be on stage somewhere. Like, like I'll, if I wasn't going to hang my mom's lights on her house tonight, I would be on a stage somewhere practicing my routine. So Ralphie, you do, I mean, a lot of dinners basically, yeah. And a lot of hockey-related ones. So the audience is made up, at least in part, by your peers, former uh, guys that you played with, played against, people right. you know. And I'm sure you, and I know you pick on them a little bit. Do you want to know who's in the audience before you go? Uh, sometimes, yeah. And, and part of what I do too, Bobcat, is um, if they're emceeing a dinner, there are a lot of times I have to interview um, you know, the other players that are there. So you want to do some research and, and, and I will say one thing. And, and again, where I think it's different than from what Scott does, uh, I've been able to meet, uh, so many unbelievable people throughout the course, doing these dinners from John Elway to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to all my hockey heroes from Gordie Howe to Bobby Orr to, right. uh, to Bobby Hall. And, um, you know, there are, are, are sometimes you worry if, if you don't know them that well and you've got to interview them. And, and I'll give you the one example with um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar comes into this this dinner we have. And, and I mean, it's I'm in total awe, you know, that but I have to interview him. And uh, he at first um, uh, wasn't sure what the line of questioning was going to be. But when we stood up to do the interview, I looked up at him and I just said, 
why basketball? And, 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 and it was about 20 seconds that he looked at me <laughs> until finally got into it. And there's, you'll remember the Canadian jockey, uh, Sandy Holly. Sure. Uh, and well. Sandy, uh, Sandy's a great guy. And, but I had the interview and I'm thinking, I don't know anything about horse racing. And they sent me his bio. And the first thing on his bio was career mounts. <laughs> I, thought, no, I thought, no shit. So let's start with that. And, and I remember asking him, I said, like, when, when you go through your career mounts, I said, what was your first time? Actually, not your fastest time. And he said, he said, he said, yeah, and I fell off twice. <laughs> and I thought, you know, so sometimes it's worked out that way but the uh yeah I've, I've been so blessed to uh you know to have pictures with these guys that i i grew up idolizing from different sports um and and, and really knowing being a seven-year minor league guy like knowing like you, you don't have to be told you don't really belong here so you better you better be somewhat amusing um to try to prove your worth to this function but uh as as much as i don't love doing it the way scott does um, I'm very, very appreciative for, for what it's allowed me to do in my life. Listen, guys, we got to take a quick break. We'll uh, be back in a second with uh, Scott Darling and uh, Jim Ralph back after this. The Bob McCowan podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. Unfortunately, life doesn't come with a user manual. So when it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck. Navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure, whether it's a career change, a new relationship, or even becoming a parent. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. The therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and teaching you productive coping skills. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash bobcast. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash bobcast. McCowan, Shannon, with you. Jim Ralph, Scott Darling are with us. Two former goaltenders who have become, well, part-time comedians, shall we say? Well, I, um, I think this is. I think this is Scott's full time. I mean, I think I think Scott's in for the duration now, aren't you, Scott? I, I like to say I'm a. I am technically an internationally touring paid comedian. So I. I, <laughs> I I because I got to do the shows up with Jesse uh, up in Toronto, so I'm an internationally paid touring comedian. So there you go. yeah, yeah, it's my it's my favorite job of the two that I have. I do love broadcasting, but I comedy is my uh, main objective. Let me let me ask you this, and we, we you know we've seen lots of movies about comedians. We've seen lots of we hear stories about comedians. Um, is there camaraderie in comedians or competition? And how does it compare to your, your goaltending companion? So my entire career, the goalies that I played with, you know, I played for 19 different professional teams. Um, I think it's 19. My goalie partners were, they're now some of my best friends. Like I never considered myself competing against the other goalie. It's like I was competing against myself. Um, to be the best goalie I could be. And I, in comedy, I see that too with the way that I 
go about it. Like, I hope everyone does great. I hope you all make to get a Netflix special or like whatever. Um, and so, and I boast people up, however it can help, like whatever I can do. And I found that like the more successful comedians are kind of the same way. And they're like helpful because they're not intimidated by you. They're, you know, that's why Ian Bag has me on his tour. Like he's, he's a legend. He's been doing it for 17 years and he's awesome. He's helped me so much, but um, some people don't feel that way, but I, I, I like the, uh, you know, high tide raises all boats kind of um, mentality. Ralphie, you said that before the pandemic, you know, you were doing like a fair number of shows, but you only did half as many as you could have done. Have you ever thought seriously about, you know, giving up the Leafs color job and doing this full time? Uh, no. The um, uh, part of it is I, I, I can honestly say, like I said, I'm, I'm grateful for a lot of it. I don't love it. I don't love the, you know, Scott talks about the the pressure and the nervousness. I still get that. I, I still, before everyone, you still go back to that moment at the Royal York Hotel when you feel like you're unprepared to get up and do something. Uh, th th there is a similar uh, similarity to playing, but maybe the difference is Scott made a few million dollars playing. I made, I think, 27.5 my last year in the minors. <laughs> and the, uh, for me, like I said, I'm, I'm very appreciative and I've got a lot of respect for it. And I'm always flattered when somebody will call me to come out and, and MC one of their events or do something. But uh, the turning point for me from that dinner at the Royal York uh, to going on Don Cherry's Grapevine is when I got a call from Halifax and, and I was about to turn it down. And they asked me this magical question that changed me my life. They said, what do you charge? And I went, <laughs> I went, I went, what? what? And they said, I think at the time they, they said, we have $1,500 in the budget. And I went, what? And I had no idea you could actually make money. I thought, why would somebody pay you to just show up and, and speak? So, um, I've, I've got to say that it's, um, I think the, the most I, I turned down for one night, Mike Palmatier had a buddy in Toronto and he said, uh, they've got $7,500 as their budget for you to come out and speak. And I had to turn it down because it was a Saturday night, but that's, that's the only reason <laughs> I would have done it. <laughs> All right. Just, uh, just, you didn't, you didn't ask him to change the date, Jim. <laughs> no. <laughs> what's, what's the most you ever made, Ralphie? Uh, Playing hockey or uh, no, for, you for know a dinner? What I mean. uh, dinner. Yeah. Actually, because both numbers are pretty similar. Twenty-seven. <laughs> <27? laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I think it was you know about uh, probably around that seven seventy-five hundred. Yeah, yeah. Well, darling, what's it like economically for you? Um, for me, I'm good. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was very fortunate. Uh, I still, I still get paid by the Florida Panthers. Uh, oh, seven figures a year. So, um, <laughs> and then I, the Blackhawks, they pay well for the broadcasting. Um, I lose money on comedy, but you know, I'm just very fortunate that I had, you know, the NHL career and the big contract with the hurricanes. And then I got traded to, Florida and they bought me out. So I'm, I'm hashtag blessed um, <laughs> that I, I get to uh, kind of like navigate my own life now. Um, Understood. And yeah, so it's, uh, 
I'm just very, very fortunate and grateful. How how long? I mean, how long will you do it before you think that it's? You know, have you have you created a timeline for yourself, Scott? To say I'm going to do this for two years, and at the end of two years, I'm going to decide, or or is or are you going to just keep hammering away at this sucker? For a comedy or broadcasting? Um, uh, broadcasting, I think if you've already, if you've already got a good deal with with uh, with NBC Sports Network, you're doing okay. But I think your love is comedy, right? Yeah, it is. I, it is what like gets me out of bed in the morning, uh, being excited to go to a comedy show. Um, so I mean, I'm gonna go at it as long as I can, as good as I can. Like, uh, I I I have aspirations of becoming a real comic. I have a lot of work to do like getting better, better jokes, more comfortable, you know, more time in my sets, like, um, cause I'm only up to like 15 minutes right now. Um, but I, I have aspirations and I'm just going to go after it. Like I, I did with hockey and try and become the best I can and see where it takes me. How so, you... And when you say, when you say you want to do more than 15 minutes, what, what's your, what is that? An hour? Is that what well, you do? I mean, yeah, I watch uh, Ian Bag do an hour and a half every night. You know, it's wow. like that—that's incredible. And because you know, as a new comic, like you, once you get on stage, you see the big crowd, and you—you you know, you. I still have to like work on little stuff, like you know, you talk too fast because you're nervous, and you know, like even bringing like I put my phone down on a stool so I have my bullet points just in case I lose track of where I'm at and you know stuff like that like I I like I said I'm brand new in the comedy world I'm brand new where where I'm at in comedy it's like people waited 10 years to do what I'm doing and I'm 6 months in so like my trajectory has been very like quick but I still know that I need to grow and like get better about stuff and I would love to one day do an hour special but uh I'm not there yet that that's just like what I'm looking like trying to do Jimmy you've got obviously more than one speech that you you have prepared or is there basically just one with a bunch of alterations in them uh yeah I I think there's there's certain bits that have I think if you would have taken, say, when I started 30 years ago to now, there's probably a 70% change in material, maybe 90%. Yeah. But it's it's gradual where, uh, I mean, I used to do a Danny Gallivan impression in the 90s, and now it's to the point where a lot of people may not remember. Uh, Danny Gallivan, as is, is, you know, as the crowd gets younger and you get older. So uh, you move that out. And then, um, you know, years ago, because I kept going back to this Steve Ludzik roast um, and, and Ludzi's a, a true hero, um, and and I brought Ian Bag into that. I know Ian's bag, <laughs> Ian's uh, name gets thrown around with that, but you have to come up with new bits. And I remember um, uh, having, a, I think it was for Daryl Sutter, thinking I've I've got to try to come up with a different impression. So you start working on new things and and trying them out, and and in those instances with with a roast you really have nowhere else to try it out because it's specific to you know the person you're talking about and roasting. So that, um, that keeps you in the writing mode. And what I've been able to do is um, at some of them, take a Johnny Cash song and just change the words because a lot of Johnny Cash songs, <laughs> they, they like every, every line rhymes with the previous one. 
so you just change it. I remember one with uh, Daryl Sutter we did where I took Folsom Prison Blues and just reworded it uh, about Daryl. And, and it went over, but I only used it once, and it, it was irrelevant to, to anything else I do again. So it's um, minus sort of, you know, there are certain things I'll always go to. If it's the first time I've ever done this event, I know I can I can bring the the, the old reliables, uh, but if it's uh, one you're asked to come back and do time and time again, you've you've got to be a little more creative, and and sometimes you you end up coming up with something that works and and then is in the rotation for good. Yeah, you can keep your like you know your tried and true stuff, but then you know it's like I I try and make myself like relevant. So like you know Thanksgiving, I I just met my uh my new girlfriend's family for thanksgiving and so i like i was joke about i was like you know you shouldn't want to see me like walking through the door with your daughter like i'm six six i got a hand tattoo i look like i'm in the fucking hell's angels and they were so receptive like it freaked me out you know I was like, what kind of fucking guys has she been bringing home for other holidays? <laughs> if, if I'm not intimidating, you know, like stuff like that. So, and then city by city, wherever I'm at, I try and make a joke about like, you know, keep it like relevant, but you still have your like tried and tested stuff like in there. Before Every- we go, how do you, how do you manage the woke world of 2022, Scott? Or do you? Uh, the woke world? Um, me personally? I hate PC culture. I hate cancel culture. Um, like I said, I'm a sweetheart. I'm the nicest guy you'll ever meet. But um, so I, I don't give a shit. Like if someone like doesn't like, I'm obviously not going to say anything egregious on stage or like on social media. But like I, uh, if if they don't like, they're offended that I said my mom had cancer. Like I love my mom to death. I'm going to hang her lights tonight. Like. It's like you're uh, you're a dink. Like I don't I don't care. Jimmy. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean it's not just the dinners. It's um, it's on air stuff. It's everything, and that's right. why. Uh, and I told you and and Bobcat before I came on. This is the first podcast I've ever done, simply because you know we, so we, many. And and Je- and Jeremy Roenick went through it, where you know you think you're telling a story or you think you're 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 sharing an anecdote that. And all of a sudden, it uh, it ignites a, a spark that someone sees it. So yeah, I think you're you're scared to death of uh, you know under my current employment of uh, <laughs> of giving somebody a reason. You know, well, that's, that's just uh, Toronto. Toronto has a magnifying glass on you guys. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, uh, yeah. you know so, so you you kind of look around and yeah. and I think the, I think the worst thing one or the the biggest fear is. Uh, you're going to do something and it's going to be two weeks later. Somebody's going to say, and you're going to go, what did, like, what did I say? And, and I think that's, um, you know, the, the fear you have when, when you, especially, I mean, I mean, if, uh, you know, Scott, I'm sure you don't want to do anything that's going to cost you your gig with NBC, you know, yeah, but, but it's, uh, I think that's where uh, so many comedians that, that don't answer to anybody uh, can say what they want, whether it's Dave Chappelle or whether it's uh, Bill Burr, uh, the, the, they work for themselves. They uh, so if they right. if they get canceled, it's not going to be canceled for the corporation they're working for. So there's yeah. uh, a little more risk reward, I guess, doing it that way. Yeah, I don't know. I've done 45 years of uh, live broadcasting, three hours a day, and uh, yes, in the course of that, you're going to say some shit that's going to get you in trouble. Oh, but yeah. you can't worry about it. 
you know, you just, you got to do what you got to do and, um, and, and go from there. I'm, so uh, yeah. I'm somewhat offended by that, Bob. Yeah, I do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you should be. Uh, listen, guys, uh, we're uh, out of time. It's been uh, a joy having both of you with us. Um, um, and Ralphie, I'm shocked that this is your first podcast ever. But we're appreciative. Might might be his last, too. Yeah. You never know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, actually, uh, John Shannon would go on the list of people that have uh, been very supportive and helpful over the years and uh, doing your show. No, I'm just saying that's uh, you you got to pick your. uh, But now I told Ian Bag I got to do his podcast because I turned him down a little earlier, too. (laughs) (laughs) You turned you turned back down. Yeah, because I just said I don't do them. So, um, well, now we pop your cherry. Exactly. I, Listen, I'm, guys. I'm offended by that. I know. Can I say that? <laughs> Best of luck to both of you. Thanks a lot for joining us, uh, Scott, Jimmy. We appreciate it a great deal. We'll right, uh, right. we'll do it again. I hope. Thanks, yeah, guys. Thank you guys. Thanks, guys. Scott Darling, Jim Ralph. Back after this. The world's greatest sporting event only rolls around every four years, and every four years. Everyone becomes a soccer fan. That's right, billions of eyes are about to fall upon 32 nations battling it out for soccer supremacy. The Men in Blazers podcast will once again be your guide to every incredible goal, every heartbreaking defeat, and every moment of human triumph. This is America's number one soccer podcast, bringing you expert analysis of every U.S. men's national game, and exclusive interviews from a slew of athletes and celebrity guests all month long. This is what the world will be talking about. This is the one podcast that makes soccer fun and entertaining for everyone. Follow Men in Blazers on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, or listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Our thanks to Scott Darling and Jim Ralph for uh, joining us. That was fun. So, what what'd you learn? Uh, nothing. Not a damn thing. I, I'll I I tell you what I uh, both of them and Jimmy's story is pretty straightforward. But uh, for Scott to do this in the last six months, uh, when you have lived your life in the team world, yeah, of being around you know nineteen other guys, you know, one time does the bus leave. What time does the charter go? Um, you know, being basically uh, cocooned in the in in team sports to put yourself out there. That this is this is a fascinating story of putting yourself out there and naked to the world. I'm not I'm not sure it's one that I would want to do. Have you done any public speaking? Oh yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Uh, it's I'm not very good at it, but I like it something that i have avoided uh, why my entire career i i just get uh, i'm i'm too anxious i just get uh, too nervous and yet you've ta- you've ta- you have talked you have talked to people for 45 years yeah i know so when you turn the microphone on and walk in the studio you were weren't anxious not the not the least bit cuz i couldn't see them but the fact that you if you stood up in front of people and I get and, and saw 
200 people there or a oh, thousand yeah. people there you'd get well nervous? look i can't say i've never done it because i have done it you know i've received a few awards in my time and had to give a thank you speech and I, i'm horrified yeah, but a by thank it. you speech is, thank you speech is a lot different than being a public speaker yes i understand that and i've been offered a lot i was i asked in the course of uh the interview what the most was that jimmy has get, gotten you know i turned down twenty thousand dollars for a for a, a a speaking engagement, it was actually in Calgary, if I remember correctly. They're gonna they'll fly me out, put me up, this that and the other thing, and twenty grand. And I and you said it, no, and I said no. I just don't want you to couldn't be. swallow it. You couldn't swallow your nervous energy. I, for I wish I I wish I could, but I couldn't do it. Twenty five. First of all, I have 25. to write something. You know, so there's going to be some work involved. It wasn't just going to be See, get up there and talk. That's the key. There was going to have to be work involved. Well, exactly. And of course, you know, I'm I'm uh, allergic to work. Yeah. I've, I've done very little of that over the course of my life. <laughs> uh, oh, I want one, one more thing before we uh, get out of here. Yeah. Uh, I have stopped really paying that much attention to the soccer stuff that's going what? on. What? Come on. Actually, I the 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 four quarterfinals were so exciting, and I didn't think they would be. But the Morocco story is fascinating. The Croatia story is fascinating. Portugal getting eliminated. The, the uh, you know Harry Kane missing a penalty and losing to the French. I mean, it was it was a wild couple of days at the World Cup. Well, here's what I want to address with you. There's been a fair bit of criticism about Canada's performance in the opening round where they didn't win a game. We weren't we weren't as bad as Qatar. Well, look at this. You got the final four, and two of the final four are from the group that Canada was in. Croatia and Croatia Morocco. and Morocco, yeah. Yeah. Well, and and the team that got eliminated was a team that was ranked what, number two in the world? Belgium? At the start uh, of this? Bel Belgium Belgium got eliminated. Yep, that's right. So I wonder if that changes what you think well, about listen, Canada's performance. Well, I don't think there's, you know, Croatia's the Croatia's the team I think that people haven't taken seriously enough, even though they've been here before in previous World Cups. They must have the best, I think they have the best midfield in in the world because that's that seems to be what they've been able to do. And their yeah. goaltender, their keeper is spectacular. Just spectacular. Well, you got Croatia against Argentina, Morocco, and France in the semifinals, and that's uh, coming up. Uh, we got to get out of here. Another one for you tomorrow. We hope you'll join us for that. For Shannon McCowan, see you.